everyone. Welcome to Elder Speak, the official podcast of ElderGeek.com. You're listening to issue number 63. And back from the grave, it's Randy, your host. And with me, I've got Gavin. Hi, Gavin. Not so much back from the grave, but back from break, I suppose. Welcome back, back. from break. Welcome I've back to the land of the living. Long time. Yes, you have. It's uh, I had to really, really dig into my necromancy skills to bring you back, but uh, I'm happy with what I, uh, what I get. Uh, you're missing an arm, maybe a little bit of your brain matter, but... To anyone listening, you're pretty much the Randy we all know and miss. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, if anybody's curious, it's just because, uh, you know, I just got done moving the Elder Geek offices and, and uh, you know, also been working on a couple of pretty cool side video projects uh, for Elder Geek. Hope everybody's going to be really excited about them. Hope that they get as well received as Elliot's ridiculously killer Final Fantasy VI um, opera video. I'm still listening to it. I wanna I wanna collapse a few segments just to have like for sound cues in my normal life. Very well done. Yeah, it, it got picked up pretty much everywhere. I, I don't know of any gaming site that didn't, you know, at least make some kind of reference to it. So congratulations to you, Elliot, if you're hearing this really top notch work, bud. But anyway, um, you know, uh, let's go into the news, man. Let's let's hit it. Let's do this. Speaking about things that took forever, um but there's one there's one game that's always been uh in development and being talked about for what 13 years now, so uh, older than pretty much half of the users on every other side except for ours, um, yeah. is Duke Nukem Forever. How how long have we been talking for, about this, Randy? At, collectively as a gamer culture, it's Just, it's uh, seriously it, it, a, it's ridiculous. A very very long time. Well, apparently it's gonna get finished. It's uh, what this is has to be the 80th time we've heard this, but. Uh, we are getting getting assurances from Take Two, not 3D Realms, the uh, defunct developer, in pretty much every sense of the word. Take yeah. Two is assured, and supposedly we have sources that are saying that Gearbox Software, who brought us, among other things, uh, Brothers in Arms: Hell's Highway, a game that I very much enjoyed, is finishing the project and will be sh- of actually shipping it for real. Absolutely, no <laughs> fooling. <laughs> that actually kind of excites me. I I, I like both of those. You know, uh, publishers slash developers. I, I really do enjoy Gearbox. I really like Take Two, and and this gives me hope. I'm not a huge Duke Nukem fan. I mean, it was great back in the you know in the early '90s, back when you know Duke Nukem was the kind of edgy person that that uh, you know fit the '90s well. But I don't know if he quite fits the you know the 2010 you know persona slash 20 2011 persona. So we'll see. Maybe he'll fit in well. Maybe he won't. It's going to be difficult to see to see how they can integrate him into this new market because a lot of things have changed since 1997. Yeah, I, I also really wonder if they're going to be bringing in uh, the the guy who actually did the the voice of Duke Nukem, um, John St. John. Yeah, that's right, John St. John. Uh, it'll it'll be interesting. He's such an iconic voice. It'll be tough to have Duke Nukem without him. But, but it's going to be tough time, for him to I don't record know if lines. Really him. Yeah, it's going to be tough to record full lines too. He's known for quips. So unless he's going to be a largely silent protagonist, not exactly sure how John St. John can be there and not become annoying after a while. Yeah. yeah. Well, you never know. We, we play with a lot of silent protagonists, so maybe a couple of you know quips here and there wouldn't be such a bad thing. No, not really. Well, uh, supposedly we are going to know more at PAX Prime this year, which is September 3rd through September 5th. So keep, uh, keep an eye out when that date rolls around. And uh, if Gearbox is indeed working on it, props to you guys. If unless it cures cancer, you're going to get a lot of people hating on you. But it's going to be good that this game is finally released. It's going to be a lot like uh, Chinese democracy. It's going to suck compared to our 12-year ex- um, expectations. But just getting it out there will ease a lot of people and maybe just uh, 
restart the franchise or just put it in the grave finally so we don't have to be uh so it's not lingering around like a yeah like those boogers that gets caught in my in my mustache I, I think that's a pretty good analogy is with the chinese democracy thing you know so many people were very excited about that album and then meh it, it felt like a good end to guns and roses i hope they don't come back but that's <laughs> just anyway what else do we have well, we got a ton of stuff going on here, so let me just scroll on up here. We have more info on the Call of Duty, uh, the next Call of Duty. And yes, Randy, this will be a this is a hint on uh, you uh, bringing up another one of our upcoming features. But first, let's talk about Sledgehammer's Call of Duty. This would be Call of Duty Eight, not necessarily named that. This is the eighth game uh, under the label, and apparently, it is they are working seriously with military guys. Um, quoting here from a Twitter post from Glenn Schofield, the Sledgehammer Game Studios co-founder. This, their stories will blow you away. Names, locations will change, but some situations going in-game, real stuff. And apparently they're already picking up composers for the game, so it's looking to be um, authentic, but not real. Kind of like what shooter games have been ever since Modern Warfare 1. So it looks right. really interesting, and keep in mind, Sledgehammer is uh, pretty much consistent of all the guys that originally did dead space before dead space uh before they moved away from ea and ea switched the name and started on dead space 2 so interesting not much more is known about this and we have a lot of rumored possibilities for call of duty 8 uh, considering um activision has uh what's the word (laughs) um filed trademarks on a bunch of different domain names, including fut- um, space warfare, science warfare, future warfare, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> so it warfare. could be up in the air, but uh, so I'm, I'm very much like Glenn Schofield's uh, production techniques. I like Sledgehammer's work um, consisting of the people that uh, the people's past work before they moved to the company. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do. And this is the, this would be their first time with the franchise. So without infinity ward being, infinity ward anymore it this is probably the one i'm looking forward to most never been a i don't know i i i'm kind of looking forward to the Treyarch one to um um are they doing they're doing black ops right see that is Treyarch. yeah yeah i i'm kind of looking forward to that one because and this is probably going to be a shocker to a lot of people but um world at war was in fact probably my favorite of the call of duties i i just got done you know for this for our you know retrospective i just got done replaying a lot of Call of Duty games and and Treyarch is their World at War one is actually really standing out in my mind as one of the best ones out of the entire series. Would not expect that. Um, but it's it's for a couple of reasons. One, I really do. I think it adds so much to those games when they try to tie in historical relevance. When they actually try to tie in real places, real people, and that kind of thing. There, there's a whole level of that game that that gets put into there that that can't be made up from, or that can't be injected from a made-up story, like Modern Warfare and Modern Warfare 2. Not knocking those two games, but I'm just saying like that that historical relevance somehow sings to me, so to speak. Um, so I'm very interested to see what they'll do with Black Ops. And I'm also very interested what Sledgehammer will do with whatever the hell they're going to be doing, whatever it's called. Well, I know um, Infinity Wars on Modern Warfare 3, uh, and uh, Treyarch is going to finish up Black Ops. I'm not sure what they have next on the... Uh... On the plot, uh, platter probably depends on the success of their non World War II games. But uh, considering what Sledgehammer is doing, I'm definitely going to expect a more science fiction edge. That's uh, where their speciality has existed in the past. And if you brought them into a game, you're expecting at least a little bit of that from a publishing standpoint. 
Yeah. But I, I am very excited because Dead Space was such a great game. It was so it had a lot of frightening moments. War is also a very frightening thing. I kinda hope that they put those two together and make a, a very visceral experience. Indeed, let's hope. But uh we got a lot more games that were announced much more thoroughly and since last we spoke on our podcast. So I'm just gonna list them all. And probably take about 20 minutes to do so, but uh, uh, Randy and I will then pick out the ones we have most to talk about. Okay. We have Bioshock. Here we go. Grease up your ears, everybody. Okay, we got Bioshock Infinite, the new game coming from Irrational, the creators of the original Bioshock, not necessarily Bioshock 2. That's Ken Ken Levine and uh, company. We have Stalker 2, the the first true sequel in the often-expanded franchise for the PC. That's coming to actual consoles this time around. We have Dragon Age 2. Um, all, you know, it is pretty much confirmed so far, but we have a- actual trailers that we have a release date, March 8th, 2011. So that looks to be really good. And, uh, we have costume quest and uh, not necessarily one that's been on a lot of people's radar, but for me and pretty much everyone in my kind of style is, um, have been paying attention to cause that's the latest game from Tim Schafer and double fine. It's a downloadable game where you uh, play as children during Halloween and fight, Battles in which you turn into a more monstrous form of your costume. And uh, more than that, we have a couple games uh, announced from Insomniac. And surprise, surprise, one of them is Resistance 3. Resistance 3. The other is actually a new Ratchet & Clank game with up to four-person co-op. So that might be interesting to talk about. And we also have Hints of Plenty, but I think that's um, pretty much what we, could, uh, what we have narrowed down enough to talk about this time around. So out of all those, Randy... Uh, what what strikes you the most? What strikes you? <laughs> wow, that's a that's a good question. I um, I'm always very excited about co-op games. I, I love games that you can play with your friends. So honestly, the Ratchet and Clank one um is getting me a little bit more excited than I have been about most Ratchet and Clank titles. And I'm also very very excited about the next Bioshock um announcement. Um, I wasn't that jazzed about Bioshock two just because. It was, you know, put out by a different studio from Ken Levine, and, you know, it was it, that wasn't directed by Ken Levine, and so I was just kind of like, meh, you know, it seems like a cash-in, but this actually seems pretty neat. So, yeah, those are my two picks. Mm. Um, Ratchet & Clank actually seems like, comparatively, within the very illustrious Ratchet & Clank franchise, the very high production values, this one seems a little bit rushed. Granted, all we have is a teaser trailer right now, nothing is... Um, set in stone it looked a lot of it looked like in game but a lot of it looks rehashed from the future franchise that we've had for this generation i'm just seeing it the way i'm seeing it is the way that insomniac is recouping for themselves the technology they needed to do for heroes on the move the compilation uh co-op game that was announced uh for the playstation move which uh featured ratchet and clank uh jack and daxter and uh the, the the raccoon spy thing Sly yeah. Cooper. Sly Cooper. Sly so Cooper, yeah. this seems their way of recouping it, just in case that game doesn't sell as well. This is just their way of rounding out the tech, rounding out the uh, the design they need to do for that. So in that sense, it feels a bit rushed for me. I'm going to have to see much more of that. But like you, um, originally I wasn't excited for Bioshock Infinite just because I had uh, attached so much to Rapture, not so much in the second game, of course. But I realize um, I realized that you know with Kevin Levine back on the project. I like the idea of every game being set in a different place. Um, I I didn't I, I like the extension that they did with Rapture. I don't I don't think it really serves at well as a repeat location. 
So, um, one, you know, once I let this settle, once I watched the trailer, once I read a couple interviews, I'm liking this idea where they take us to different time periods and a different, a new, stunning, high concept location each time. Yeah. So, once again, I'm looking forward to it. Although, I, again, we don't know much about it. But again, like I said, Costume Quest, I, I love Tim Schafer. Even though he's not t- too high on this one, um, it, I've always wanted to turn into monstrous versions of my Halloween costumes. I'm pretty sure any kid does. So That is a ridiculously cool concept for a video game, not going to lie. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see. But unfortunately, a lot of these seem to be just announced, so we can't really speak on them enough, which is always depressing. It's always sad. Yeah, but it, you know what? It gives us hope, and honestly, it couldn't have come at a better time. This this summer gaming lull has felt like forever, you know. Not necessarily. Um, well, I haven't. You know, I haven't been on the the precipice of new releases. I've actually been going back to old games, so that's what I usually do during summer. So well, yeah, that's not, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's no good new games coming out. I think everybody's gone back and and they're touching on old games that they either missed out on or they're replaying old favorites. Indeed. Well. Either way, we got a ton of news on all those, uh, much more. We have tons of release dates out of Nintendo as well, all on the site. Make sure to check it out. But we are moving on. We have much to talk about and not so much time. So uh, let's move on to a bit of news out of QuakeCon. And because it's QuakeCon, the one we all would look forward to is id Software's panel, id Software's news, id Software's anything. And they didn't disappoint this year. John Carmack came out and said that the company is focusing on no new IP for the next Ten years. That is, a dec- that is a decade. A decade of no new IP. Rage has gotten in there, so Rage is going to be the last one. Granted, if it's not successful, they'll probably phase it out. But Rage, Doom, Quake, etc., etc., that's going to be their main focus. And so far, I mean, they've been doing that for uh, years and years anyway, so it's not any stretch of imagination that they can continue to do so. Ten yeah. years ten years feels a bit of a long time. I'm not sure if we can really hold them to that. I'm pretty sure after the five-year mark, we're going to see it get a bit of a bit of stressed. But John Carmack did, uh, did w- walk the walk a little bit here, not just talk the talk. He showed off rage on the, I- uh, on the iPad. And surprisingly, at 60 frames per second and with graphics comparable to the comparable to the last console generation that's PS2, Xbox and GameCube on the iPad at 60 frames per second. Yeah, that's kind of ridiculous. That is that is sexy. And we have that video, we have that keynote on the site, so don't take my word for it, but that is pretty impressive, but I think what I took away most is 10 years. No new IP. How are they going <laughs> to do it, Randy? That's not that's not so terrible. I mean, I'm not saying it it's has just, definitely sure. made their name as being the people that make Doom, the guys that make Quake. But not only that, but they make the badass game engines that so many other games build their games on. You know. So that being said, when you look at other companies, obviously much bigger companies, but when you look at other companies like say Nintendo, who hasn't given us a new IP in a long time, or at least a, a worthy new IP in a long time. You know, aside from Wii Sports, or I, I guess I should say their Wii lineup of games, but we've been being rehashed the same old games for a long time. Uh, oh. Mario, Zelda, yeah. um, Metroid, Mario Kart, etc. Yeah, well, granted, uh, that's they do. They actually release new games, new software. It's not going to even release new software. Supposedly, this is what John Garmick says. I mean, no new games. Period. Yeah, but honestly, outside of new iterations of existing games, as in porting the same game, as in Doom to the iPad, and so I I I think we need to look at its you know 
again, it is so popular with selling their their game engines. You know, they make so much money off of selling their game engine. I'm sure that they will be selling the game engine for Rage on the iPad for other developers to use. And um, that's possible, although we have a, um, a connecting story to that. Glad you brought that up. Um, also out of QuakeCon, it says that uh, due to Z- uh, their parent company, ZeniMax Policies, and their a discussion with them, they're actually not releasing the external uh, – they're not doing external releasing of the Tech 5 engine, which is what's powering Rage on consoles. So ah. the, they're, they're, they're – con- what's the word? They are confining it to games from ZeniMax companies, which is Bethesda. Now we know Arcane was brought up by the uh, media company uh, just this past week, and, of course, it. So basically those three companies are going to be using that engine and no one else. So ZeniMax, is, I, uh, their corporate policy is that it's going to give them a competitive advantage because, like uh, Randy said – its engines are highly sought after com- uh, commodities. The only ones that can really compare, I guess, is anything from uh, what Epic, maybe. Yeah, maybe Epic's engines, uh, but I Valve like five years ago. Yep, Valve. Unless they release, you know, the the, the uh, yeah yeah exactly. But aside from that, I can't really think of much else. Like the Crytek engines are always they're always very technically impressive, but I can't I can't recall many games that were actually built with the Crisis engines. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so this is a major get for Zenimax. This is a very smart move, um, especially. Zenimax is actually becoming quite an impressive company. They are very soon going to be big, big, big competition for Activision and EA. If, if they keep it up, yeah, they are very selective on who they brought in. They bring in the best quality developers that weren't weren't already bought up by someone else. I mean, they're making very smart moves here, and they're not going for social media. They, no. They're very focused on what they have, they, and this is not their only thing. This is not just a games media company. So they're branching out, and they're doing an excellent job. And since they're funding it, I think the, the money they're losing, they would lose theoretically on external licensing. They're gaining on the partnership with ZeniMax. They're, uh, oh, yeah. So they're not losing any money, and they get to uh, you know keep their baby with them. So, I mean, good news all around for ZeniMax. Great get. I just want to see how there it's how what the Tech Fives engine is going to do to what Elder Scrolls, what's it what's it going to do to the next Fallout, what's it, uh, I think Brink is using at least some it some id tech absolutely, yeah. so I can't I can't stop <laughs> I can't stop saying it but good job Zenimax excellent excellent move absolutely put absolutely. into check put everyone else into check on the great board chess game of video game publishing. But I'm, I'm st- I think I'm starting to embarrass myself with my addiction here. So let's let's move <laughs> on to something that's embarrassing for someone else. Specifically, Roger Avery. You may not know the name, but you know the you know the script. He was the co-writer of Pulp Fiction, and he was also the writer to 2006 Silent Hill. And the game, uh, well, you know, it's not on anyone's favorite films list. I personally enjoyed it, but I love the games. It made plenty of money. Within its first week, it made back its production budget, and within its subsequent weeks, it made back advertising. So there was enough to do a sequel, in theory. Unfortunately, past the planning phases, once it got into pre-production, it got halted, and got halted for a delicious reason, if you will, kind of bringing back to, I think it was the Gizmodo CEO that uh, got in with the mafia and crashed his uh, very expensive car very uh, famously. Screenwriter Roger Avery was actually convicted of vehicular manslaughter last year. Oh. And uh, he, he actually got a work furlough. What this means is that he's allowed to work in the daytime within a uh, within a rigid environment, which a uh, film set is that way. Yeah, but then he's got to go back to 
jail that night. True, but he gets to work on a film set. He, you know, he can coordinate. He can actually direct or at least produce in the screenwriter capacity. Unfortunately, Roger Avery, in a bit of humor, a, a bit of humorous uh, malaise, as it were, got addicted to Twitter. And what he talked about on Twitter was jail life. And apparently that's a no-no. This violated his work release agreements. And now he was sent to prison full time for the remainder of his sentence. How long is his sentence? Um, we don't know. It wasn't um, it wasn't released. But uh, tra- uh, traditional vehicular manslaughter, depending on the terms and the uh, the specific ruling, usually yeah. about five, ten, five, ten years. Oh, my God. So, yeah, he's got a, he's got a bit to go. A little bit, a little bit. Um, Unfortunately, even if it's a year or two, like say he got off on, on, you know, if you say he's getting off like a year or two, that's going to goof up his career big time. Poor bastard. Uh, Don't know. I mean, it's Roger Avery. If anyone could pull street cred into a screenwriting position to be Roger Avery. Yeah. And keep in mind, yeah. Stewart went to jail too and she came out. (laughs) And more specifically, Roman Polanski is still one of the most sought after directors in the world. But unfortunately, this means Silent Hill 2, which was in the pre-production phases at the time, has been stalled. May not be happy news to everyone, uh, may not be sad news to everyone, except for me, but it's at least least a fun story to tell. And I'm imagining Roger Avery sitting down in prison while uh, they go through the line saying why why everyone's there. It's like, I murdered someone, I stole stole, a a very expensive car, and Roger Avery, I got a digit to Twitter. Yeah, I, I tweeted my way back into prison. <laughs> uh, and all uh, oh, the the sorted sorted tales the video game movie world weaves. But but I think but I think there's that's enough of that. Any do you have any <laughs> final thoughts on that, Randy? Any? Uh, no, uh, no. You know, I, I don't want to sound like I'm being super soft on on him because it does suck for the person that he happened to kill. You know, so yeah. uh, sucks for everybody all around, I suppose. I guess. But you know what doesn't suck? Or actually what could have not sucked if it actually was released was the Game Boy Phone. Apparently Nintendo and Nokia were actually in the dev stages. What what Basically what everyone wants Sony to be doing with their Ericsson line, Nintendo yeah. was doing with Nokia back in around 2001. As right. always, they seem to be there first. But um, unfortunately, Nintendo and Nokia, they scrapped the project. Nintendo does this a, a lot. It's a very fiscally and... Um, just an all-around conservative company. They're not. They don't make those really high-end, um, high-end risks regularly. The Wii was probably the most risky thing they've ever done as a company, and they've been around for a hundred years, literally. So, yeah, and they all they dropped the uh, you know the PlayStation contract that they had together with Sony. You know, they yeah. were they were trying to do the CD add-on for the SNES, but they <laughs> dropped that at the last and- moment. That just may have bitten them, bit them in the ass just slightly, but as you recall, Nokia went on to do the N-Gage, so that kind of didn't work out either. So maybe Nintendo had the right idea. Nintendo, yeah, of course, that time went, anyway. Yeah. Nintendo went around to uh, went on to do the DS. We have some uh, schematics here that were released in 2007 that were the perspective design. It's basically a phone with basic Game Boy functionality. So interesting to know that Nintendo was doing what <laughs> we're all wanting everyone to do at this point. They're a very future-minded company. It's it's always interesting to see how far in advance they're thinking of these things. Yeah, and you know, also, you know, in that same in that same vein, um, hasn't isn't there the rumors are, are growing, you know, and and becoming more and more likely that that Sony actually is creating a PSP phone with you know the Android 3.0 uh, platform. Yep, that is true. That, that's what a lot of our users has commented as well, and. That actually would probably be a better idea from them than doing the entire 
thing internally, working right. with Google, uh, working with Google and their OS. Which oh, that partnership, that would destroy. I mean, Google. I I never envisioned that Android being a, a competitor to the iPhone, but if they get Sony behind them and they get a PSP functionality to that. That could be a major, major notch in Google's belt, especially against the fact that could be a major punch to Apple. Well, actually, the Android phones are a pretty major competitor to the iPhone. It's just that um, stylistically, they don't they don't present themselves that way. I I actually had just read somewhere, and I I I feel terrible that I don't have the numbers to back me up on it. But you know, so don't so don't take my word on it. But I, I remember reading somewhere of the smartphone market. I believe it's something like um, BlackBerry currently holds still 48% of the market, um, and uh, iPhone holds uh, something like 27%. And the the other remaining portion of of the of that you know 100% is is um, you know Android phones. Um, so they are you know they are competing with uh, with uh, you know with iPhone. I think, you know, the bigger problem is now that BlackBerry is becoming kind of redundant, you know. But mm. if this were to come out, I think this would be huge for Sony. The big question is, when would it come out? Well, I mean, Gamescom's pass that leaves, what, Tokyo Game Show and PAX? Yeah. Anything else? Maybe maybe they could start off the year at CES or finish it at CES. That would probably be the better place for it because it's not just a gaming um, device in it, in essence. Yeah, I. But they would I, have to, they, like, this has they, to come within the. This has to come within something before the end of the year. No, 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 not released. I mean, confirm the project and set as a release date by the end of the year. Ah. Uh, There's no, no. They cannot release. They're gonna have to at least announce it within the next eight months. Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise that window is long gone. Gotcha. And it, it's dead. That is a dead window. So. It would be interesting, yeah. I'm pretty, uh, uh, if it's happening, it's going to happen. And it's going to be at least revealed in the next uh, within the fiscal year, uh, definitely, which ends in March. But I would say within the calendar year as well. But I need a new phone so badly. I have the original BlackBerry <laughs> Storm, and I've been kind of holding nice. out on getting on getting a new phone um, in hopes that they were going to say like, "Hey, secretly, this is actually going to come out in October or November," you know. Yeah. But, yeah, I'll probably get a new phone now this weekend. Well. I, probably right as you get your phone, they're gonna announce the PSP phone. That's the way. It usually <laughs> That's gonna be the way it goes. That's the way it usually is, I think. So uh, <laughs> um, let's uh, let's move on again. We're gonna come back to Bioware a bit. We mentioned that uh, Dragon Age Two was dated, coming out March eighth, two thousand eleven. But the big announcement for the what the thousand fanboy rabid fanboys that it still exists and still tr- uh, troll up every message board ever still have a full-time job going across the internet and posing as 100 individuals. They have finally have some more fodder because Mass Effect is finally, if uh, expectedly, coming to the PS3. Woo! Yeah, this is, Mass this Effect is 2. Not, yeah, Mass Effect 2. Yes, we must be specific. Mass Effect 2 is coming January 2011 with hours of bonus content, which to me says we're packaging in the previously released DLC. Yeah. At least a bit, because any one of those can count for hours of additional content. So probably what is released now, everything up to um, Layer of the Shadow Broker, which is uh, set to release in the next coming uh, couple months, uh, everything, they could probably package that in well. Um, or at least, yeah, that's pretty good. J- and just, you know, 
count the extra armor and weapons as, you know, extra, extra content. But um, other than that, that is what's coming. And unfortunately, um, Randy was specific because Mass Effect really can't come to the PS3. Granted, Electronic Arts, the current publisher, did publish the PC version, which does not mean that Microsoft Game Studios has a 100% hold on it. However, they had the original release, and they still have an extremely strong contract with the original game, especially since the entire thing was still... um, was still signed and formalized with Bioware, still a subsidiary, so or, or not a subsidiary, but still a partially owned entity in more, the more metaphysical sense of the term. So I'm not sure how they're going to compensate Electronic Arts releasing Mass Effect 2 on PS3. Probably they're going to um, do a little bit of Yakuza 3 and just have like a, a, a room in the beginning of the game where you could watch a montage of cutscenes or a little mini movie explain or catching you up to Mass Effect events. But um, other than that, yeah, I was wondering if they were going to do that or if they were going to find some way to since um, there there was parts of Mass Effect 2 that was dependent on your save game from Mass Effect 1. Kind of wonder if they'll have you make some decisions, you know, in like in those montage areas, you know, in the beginning of the game. Who knows? Who knows? Indeed. Um, they could just surprise us yet again, which means um, this, of course, means that um Mass Effect 3 will most likely be a simultaneous release across all platforms. Yeah. But um not not exactly sure how they're going to how they're going to connect Mass Effect. Would be interesting to see at least, especially since I'm pretty sure they're not going to want to go and uh uh retroactively polish up Mass Effect as well since that's not going to sell nearly as well as Mass Effect 2. It's been far too long. Interesting. It's going to be yeah. interesting. Uh, what yeah. they yeah, what they can do if they're going to do it, they're going to have to do it pretty hard. They're going to they're going to have to change it, change it significantly and release it under a new title, which probably means they, um, they're probably going to have to gut the game, which, again, Electronic Arts really does really wouldn't look at that as a uh, financially apt decision. So good luck to PS3 gamers, but I'm pretty sure even the most diehard of Sony fanboys have been paying attention to Mass Effect since its release. So I'm not exactly sure how much the loss of playing Mass Effect originally uh, will uh, will hurt them. Personally, I bought an Xbox 360 for Mass Effect, so either way, I'm good. I'm still gonna be picking up on 360. Randy, you gonna <laughs> you gonna swipe it on PS3 or hey, I'm PC, like, just oh, PC actually. Yeah, I've got a 360. Yeah, you know, but when I can get games like when I can get Bioware games, I get them on PC. If only my PC could run them. Oh, so so sad. I'm still playing Jade Empire. <laughs> yeah, Jade Empire was a pretty damn great game though. Every one of the everyone they do is good. It just comparatively by Bioware standards is probably their worst. Which again, not saying much. But right, we are we are so so digressing right now. But uh, good luck to all those uh, all those PS3 guys that are going to be leaping into stores on j- this this coming January for their Mass Effect goodness. But uh, we got one more story here, and it's a biggie, and it's a one, an old story. I call it old because. This is the kind of thing we would do in the earlier episode, uh, issues of the podcast to start a discussion and uh, start something that would take over the second half of the show. And while the, we still don't do that format and this is not it, it's very similar to the ones that we talked about. And this one has to do with Medal of Honor. Now, of course, we all know we've all seen the uh, the trailers, we've all seen the demos from EA Danger Close Studios. And they're very much going modern warfare out there in modern Afghanistan. Great big bushy beards. And apparently we had um, people in the multiplayer beta 
have uh, not been particularly friendly towards a certain feature in multiplayer, as there is always, you know, a antagonist protagonist mechanic here. What would be what could be the antagonist to modern uh, tier one Afghan Afghanistani op- uh, American operatives? Then the Taliban, uh, Al Qaeda terrorists, and indeed. You play as Al-Qaeda terrorists in Medal of Honor multiplayer. And uh, predictably, this has set off yet another delightful Fox News controversy. I say Fox News specifically because it's Fox News specifically. (laughs) Um, Well, let's go into a bit of detail here so you know exactly where I'm coming from. Um, Fox News has always been a bit on the alarmist bandwagon when it comes to video games. You recall that... Jeff Keighley had to come and um, box for us when the original Mass Effect, hey, going back to that again, came out and was supposedly a porn simulation for corrupting the 13-year-old kids that aren't technically allowed to play it. But right. now, it actually, this is a much more centrist controversy, believe it or not. Karen Meredith, who is a gold star mother, don't laugh. Originally, I had a joke for that, but when I looked it up what it meant, it that kind of died on my lips. A gold star mother is a mother of a serviceman that died while in active right. duty. What she's, they do is you're a blue star, you're a blue star mother. If you hang a flag in your window, uh, the number of stars that you have on the flag is the number of sons or daughters that you have deployed deployed. Yes. Uh, you hang a blue star. If it's, if your son is if son or daughter is deployed, but if your son or daughter happens to pass away while on deployment, you know, if they're killed in action, then you replace your blue star with a gold star. Yes. It's a very sad event. It's always cause for um, great sympathy. And specifically, Karen Meredith was the mother of First Lieutenant Ken Ballard, who originally and unfortunately within the segment, uh, within the Fox News segment connected on the site, which you should go see now before we continue the story, just to have the full effect. He was originally listed as killed in action, which leads to the fact that he was uh, killed by enemy combatants, which would mean Al-Qaeda, which gave the story a bit of a more... Then, uh, vengeful thing, but um, uh, it was later revealed once a what's uh, what Randy? What's the term for when the, uh, internally they uh, inspect a situation? They send in a team of some kind. Do you know? Oh, they, they, it's just called an investigation. That's just all. Just an investigation. Upon internal investigation, it was revealed that he was killed by accidental discharge. Uh, accidental discharge of an arm, firearm. So unfortunately, right, an accidental friendly fire kill. Yeah, unfortunately, and still very sad. And it's a very sad situation that gets her on Fox News. And I have a couple quotes here. We have a conversation of quotes here between Karen Meredith, the mother, and Electronic Arts. So I'll just quote them, and we'll give our own little feedback on the situation here. Karen Meredith says, and I quote, War is not a game, period. Families who are burying their children are going to be seeing this. I just don't see a video game based on a current war makes any sense at all. It's disrespectful. Electronic Arts released a statement after this saying, Medal of Honor is set in today's war, putting players in the boots of today's soldiers. We give gamers the opportunity to play both sides. Most of us have been doing this since we were seven. If someone's a cop, someone's got to be the robber. Someone's got to be the pirate. Someone's got to be the alien. In Medal of Honor multiplayer, someone's got to be the Taliban. To which Meredith replied... I just find this unrealistic to compare cops and robbers to the Taliban and U.S. soldiers. Actually, it should have been the U.S. soldiers and the Taliban for respective purposes, but I'll let that slide. My son son didn't get to start over when he was killed. His life is over, and I have to deal with this every day. It's just not a game. So very sad situation. She's coming from a very hurt, heartfelt position here. But Randy, since you're a much, much better advocate for us and a much more understanding party than Fox news when it comes to video games. What's your take on the situation? It's a, not an easy one. It's not an easy thing to talk about. 
It it is really uh, really sad, you know. Ha- you know, I have had friends, and and you know, probably a lot of our listeners have had friends who who had passed away, and and you know, and America's current uh, deployments. And I actually have friends who are who are still deployed right now. Um, but she she has every right to be very sad. She has every right to be very upset. Um, but clearly, she's focusing. You know, again, I'm not trying to sound insensitive or anything, but clearly it seems as though she's trying to focus her sorrow on something that she can tangibly blame, you know, for, you know, the, the loss of her kid. And I and I sympathize. I, I totally do. It is a total tragedy that, you know, that, that she lost her, you know, her kids, her, her son or daughter. It's a son, right? Yes, Ken Ballard. Yeah, it, it absolutely is a shame. And, and since he's a, just a first lieutenant, too, he's, he's a young guy, too. Um so it, it's very, very sad. Um, but at the same time, no one would have any qualms with, um, well, actually, in today's kind of political environment, I guess people probably would have problems with a movie that was from both both sides of, of the, the perspective. Um, heck, I think there was even still people that were having problems when, when um, Clint Eastwood made, made um, Letters from Iwo Jima, you know? <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's pretty interesting. Fifty years had passed since then, so I, I feel bad for Electronic Arts. I, you know that they're they're having to go through this, but they're a big company; they can defend themselves. Oh yeah, and I, and I think they have the right to tell the story from somebody else's point of view. And and really, yes, video games are entertainment; they are you know quote unquote fun. But these kind of games are not the same kind of fun where it's like we I'm soaring through the air kind of fun. It's more of a it's less fun. And more escapism. Mm-hmm. Um, I really wish the situation was reversed here. Um, not not in terms of Meredith. I mean in terms of um, Electronic Arts and Konami. Last year, they uh, unfortunately received a lot of the same controversy and backed off of the uh, current uh, their current Iraq project, which was uh, Six Days in Fallujah, which right. uh, was, that was actually yeah. being helped built by actual some Marines. Of the Marines actually, yeah, actually in the Fallujah conflict. Very much, actually, very similar to Medal of Honor. They've spoken to a lot of Tier One operatives, which is the highest you really can go within the uh, U.S. Armed Forces, especially within the current Afghani displo- uh, Afghani dis- deployment regime. If you uh, regime, such a harsh word, uh, hierarchy. Right. Uh, I really wish Konami was had the uh, the spine, or at least the budget, of Electronic Arts because that was was much more in terms of telling the story. This was much more of providing an emotional experience. And I think a video game can give closure in that capacity, same way any game could. I think the Taliban here is much more in multiplayer. It's less much, it's less about, um, the story as more of a visceral experience, which I still agree with you, Randy. It's still very not, very much not the, I'm having fun killing U.S. soldiers. I'm gonna emulate this now. I'm gonna right. go to a school with my semi-automatic that I'm somehow got from Walmart. But, it's the same thing that you get when you when you watch a war movie. You don't watch a movie like Saving Private Ryan or watch a, a television series like Band of Brothers and say, "Wow, I am really enjoying myself. This is this is a fun experience." It, it it's it's a different kind of experience. Yes, it's enjoyable, but it's not because it's yeah. granting you you know ecstasy kind of thing. And yeah, I don't think Electronic Arts really put up forth the public relations style they should have here this is no just going, they definitely yeah. didn't they, they is, could have phrased yeah. it so much better this is far too clinical but if i may speak 
uh, respond to Karen Meredith, um, all do, um, sympathy towards her family and her loss. Um, war is not a game. And that depends on your definition of the term game. But in my definition, it is the largest and most actively played game in the world. But that is a full discussion for another time. But basically, if I may break this down mathematically, she lists tw- the 1,200 uh, families that lost or had their children injured, all of which very sim- a very sad and sympathetic from us um, as, you know, being hurt, being, you know, suffering additionally beyond what you have to do as a parent when you have to bury your child because of this game. And even if that was the case, which I highly doubt, the emotional sentiment, which is not a right, it is a privilege in the greatest sense of the word. There is no legal um, there is no legal precedent for feeling any sort of way or the ability or um, right. There is no emo- there is no right to emotion. Um, the emotional sentiment of, let's say, extend the family, each family to 10 members, 12,000 people does not negate the extension of free speech that comes with economic purchase to the rights of the 3 million people that are going to buy this game. Right. If simply put, that is that should this is sets an extremely hazardous precedence. Uh, precedent. This is, um, a, and it. I don't really want to take this stance because it's real. I feel like it's really kind of um, spitting back in her face, which I don't intend to do. Um, but this is just not. This is just not the. This is not her fight. She's not. Uh, she. This is not something that she should be in. This is. I agree. Yeah, it's not something that she should be too worried about. But at the same time, you know, like I said, she's she's lost a. You know, a son, and 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 this is the way she's expressing her grief, and unfortunately, her, it's yeah. Fox News who found her, uh, or yeah. any news me or any media outlet that found her. You know, I don't so, I don't want to single out Fox. Yes, they do have yeah, a I, bad I, reputation, I but CNN <laughs> would be just as likely to to make a big deal out of this kind of stuff too. Yeah, uh, I mean, I I can definitely see the uh, the escalation here. I still don't think that. Um, I don't. I don't approve of any person that takes their uh, takes their emotional response and makes a ca- and makes a case out of it. I mean, she's uh, she's about she's not she's not the there ought to be a law crowd, which, which is absolutely wrong. But um, she's close, and I just I just think she's completely missed the point, and I think that yeah. she's really putting herself up to just be hurt again. So yeah. uh, when you when you set yourself up with this, when you put this kind of emotional attachment even if it's negative to a game you're not going to win it's going to be released it's going to contain the same stuff and you're probably going to get follow-up calls from the media saying it was released you still get to kill american soldiers want to come on our show and talk about it again you're setting up yourself for further emotional degradation and um i it's just it's not the it's not what people should be doing you just need to uh, grieve grievance is private it's always private and uh, unless someone unless someone is like um, is picketing the funeral like uh, what Westboro Baptist Church does, even then the rights to emotion case is very stringent. But at that point, you can come out and say, you know, this is this is highly offensive. There there is people that are putting something upon you specifically, but here it's just it's projection and reaching, and unfortunately, it's just another nail on our nail on the PR coffin for the video games and. It puts a bad spin on Karen Meredith, who is really just a mother that doesn't know how to grieve. Yeah, and and also the the really sad part is, 
I would probably say, or at least I, I, I'm i making a large assumption, and I hope it's not a terrible assumption, but I would like to think that most of the people that actually play these kinds of games, that play Medal of Honor, that play Call of Duty, have a, a greater sense of respect for people in, in, in the armed forces. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The same way that um, the, the kind of vehement opposition to uh, soldiers that served in Vietnam dw- um, dwindled after the me- after the me- film started coming out within the within and showed the context of the service within there within yeah. within the within Vietnam so i think yeah this is a this is kind of a way of airing it out this is kind of a disinfectant an emotional disinfectant all me all entertainment media is and that's what it's supposed to be more games should be like medal of honor and unfortunately it's just very difficult to see from a lot of people's perspectives and yeah. that's hurt, and that's hurting us as an industry because of it, because we're yeah. we're on the chopping block now until what Facebook games become prevalent enough to be the chopping block. Yeah, it's it sucks. It sucks. You know. Uh, yeah. Oh well. Do we have anything else we want to cover? Um, after that, I don't think so. But I think it sucks kind of sums it up very well. Yeah, yeah, I do. I feel I feel terribly for you, um, uh, Miss Miss Ballard, but uh, or Mrs. Ballard. Uh, Miss Mer- uh, yep. Meredith. Her name is uh, Karen. Miss Meredith. Meredith. I thought her name was Meredith Ballard. Nope, Karen Meredith is her oh, name. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I apologize, but I feel <laughs> terribly for you, and I, I feel I feel sorry for the loss of your son. Uh, and I, you know, and I hope that, um, you know, I hope you find peace with yourself someday. But um, stay off my video games. <laughs> well said, Randy. I think that is all. We're exhausted for the news here, but we got a lot of stuff coming up. So. Uh, Randy, why don't you pimp a little bit of what people can expect? Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, you know, congratulations to Elliot for that that wonderful video that he actually did. Um, I do believe that Elliot is working on another video project at the moment, but I I, I don't want to go into any more of that. Uh, he and I are also working on our Call of Duty retrospective, um, which should be coming out. You know, I'm I'm hoping that the first episode will be out sometime next week. Um, you know, by the end of the week, I'm hoping that it, that it comes out. I, I want this to be absolutely perfect. You know, because kind of like with the Karen, with the uh, Ms. Meredith uh, story, we want this to be kind of honoring the people that have served and also a tribute to the kind of the games as well. So, um, trying to think of anything else huge that we've got kind of coming up. Of course, we're we're going to be at uh, we're going to be at Magfest uh, 10 this year, or no, Magfest 9 this year. Um, and what else? Oh. Coming soon in October, so about a little over a month away. Uh, get ready to uh, get ready for our our uh, once again feature, our Friday night creature feature, where every Friday we're going to be reviewing new or used or, or older horror games. So that's pretty much all I can really think of for big projects right now. Yeah, and other than the constant stream of features, news, reviews, previews, and now interviews, we've actually got a couple coming up in the yep. future, and we have a couple on the site now. Yeah, the Call of Duty is what major to look forward to. But as always, make sure to comment on all of our stuff because we love it when you do that, and we love you when you do it. Yeah, and I'd also say I'd like to say you know officially welcome to our our new contributing writer. I hope she sticks around. I hope she sends some more stuff to us. But uh, uh, Jen Sprague, you know, she was the person who wrote the Twitter role playing article, which I thought was pretty darn funny. I didn't know that that was actually going on. But uh, you know, hope you stick around and hope you write more for us. Absolutely, I, I second that. <laughs> All right. That about wraps us up? That about wraps us up. All right. Take care, everybody. Later. Later.